0: Hi friends, welcome to our podcast, The El Becchio Show. This podcast covers technology, business and sport, my happy trifecta. This podcast will see an array of guests and friends feature and share their stories, educating us both in the process. Today I'm talking with our first recurring guest, my friend and mentor, Peter Thompson. Last time around, we spoke about your software testing career to date, the profession of testing and a few things in between. So, hi, Pete. One thing I wanted to speak to you about last time around, unfortunately didn't quite get round to, was your experience and expertise on culture. Now you've trained and educated yourself with Michael Henderson, the corporate anthropologist who has worked with the All Blacks, the New Zealand rugby team. Michael also delivered a TED Talk in 2010 for anyone that wants to kind of catch up on him. And Pete, over to you. You are classed as a corporate anthropologist. Note the tone and the text I've used there. Cutting to the point, what the heck does that mean?
1: Well, firstly, thanks, Emma. Thanks for having me back. It's it's definitely nice to be here again, and especially inviting me to uh, to talk about this. It's uh, it's been a passion of mine since I was lucky enough to meet Dan and do a kind of year's training course with Michael. I think round about twenty seventeen. So so anthropology is is the key word, and and Michael he's a brilliant guy. And I can encourage anyone who listens to this to to look him up on YouTube and and listen to his stuff on believe and behave and becoming because it's it's a real key to how you want to build teams in the future but it's just he's just an awesome guy and he speaks very well and and you learn a lot just by um, being in his presence and I was very lucky to uh, spend a year on a training course uh, sent by my employer at the time to learn about the uh, corporate side of anthropology and how you study it and how you can see it and, and how you view it and then how you can change it to help you support whatever it is your business unit or your business or your brand or your company wants to try and achieve it's probably the biggest wasted element of your company um, that you'll ever have and there are not many companies out there in the world who understand how to harness culture to help deliver their strategic goals and I think the the statistic is something like 92% of organizations out there will fail to optimize their culture and when you you kind of put it in those perspectives, that's massive. And so can you imagine how well-performing and awesome it is to work for the 8% of the companies that, that do manage to mm-hmm. to sort that out? So it's really all about you know culture in the workplace and studying it and being able to read it and adapt to it and, and try and make it uh, suitable for what you're trying to deliver. It's just fascinating. It's just fascinating. And once you kind of get the the background to it, I always uh, likened it to the first time it kind of clicked with me and and it does take a while to click it's not something that happens overnight but it's like that that time if you've uh watch a superhero movie and the, the time where they realize they've got super hearing and they just hear a thousand voices and it's all overwhelming and they don't quite know what to do um it's like that you suddenly start seeing it everywhere and the trick then becomes to not looking at everything but allowing you to focus on the bits that you really need to focus on and and, and work through. And it's, yeah, it, it's amazing. And it's not something you can get like that. And, but when you do get it, it changes the way you approach things. It changes the way you approach your work, your life, people, everything. It's, it's incredible.
0: I guess this sings to me quite substantially based on myself coming from sporting teams. Um, the most successful clubs I've been at, it's all about the team ethics. It's all about the culture that's created, the environment that's nurtured. So funnily enough, you know, you reached out in the capacity of a software testing mentor to me. And I remember in in our first conversation, one of your parting notes was, oh, by the way, I also have this cultural element, you know, to my bow. And the more we kind of chat and the more I learn about you, it's interesting to see someone that's not necessarily coming from an immediate team background, but actually understands how important that is to the success of a business. I guess for me, you know, I come from a sporting perspective, let's say. What would you say is the biggest challenge that organization will face in terms of developing and maintaining a healthy corporate culture?
1: Well, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I think the, the, the biggest challenge is understanding that culture is not a noun. Uh, 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 and I'll say that, you are know, going to come to, yeah, yeah, we do culture. We've got a whole team that does culture. I, well, we do culture in July. We send out a survey. We get back results, um, and that tells us how people are feeling. And then we do something, and then we do culture again the following year. And it's kind of like this culture with a capital C. Um, where, whereas actually, the right view is to look at it as a as a verb. You are culturing. We are culturing all the time. Cultures. There are many cultures with any organisation that grow. There you know, only takes three people to form a culture. So. You can imagine in a in a company of you know five thousand, ten thousand people, there are hundreds of cultures just throughout the company. It's about how you then have the ability to harness that, help to, to deliver the strategic goals of the company. And there's a great um quote by a man called Peter Drucker, which is culture eats strategy for breakfast. So the success is to be able to harness the culture so it delivers the strategy. Because it is culture that delivers it, it's not anything else right you can have your brand strategies and things like that and and there's you know kind of triangles you draw with leaders brand strategies but underneath it all everything has to be delivered and the way that gets delivered this is really decided by your culture and how you en- enable that culture to follow the purpose that you want to set and you know you can start with purpose up the top if you like and that's kind of why are we here what do we want to be famous for and then it's kind of you build up from that from the from the kind of the bottom upwards with the culture. So it's uh it's an incredible thing and I think from major companies don't really understand the power of it. So when you just hear that quote, you know, you start realizing then what's what what's needed in there. And and for me it's about people understanding why they're there. And it's not about, you know, I'm here to deliver testing, I'm here to build code. It's I'm here to meet the purpose of the company. And so if you don't understand that and what your role is in that, then it's very hard to have a culture that's working towards the same strategy. So I think a lot of um, companies don't realize the power that they have within them. And I read the stat over the start, about 92% don't really understand the power of their culture. And I think once you can harness that and look at it, and, and that's understanding that it's a constant. It's not just something you do it's not something your HR team do or you know as the trend is this these days to call them people and culture as opposed to human resources it's something that everybody is responsible for everybody's accountable for and your role as a leader or as a part of the big evolving workspace is to help people understand why they are doing what they're doing because when someone has purpose they work towards something if You just see yourself as, oh, I'm a test analyst. I come in to do this or I'm a test lead or I'm here to cut code and drive that. If you don't understand why, then you're not really embedded in what the vision is and what the purpose of the company you're working for is. And I think that's that's kind of what a lot of people miss out on. They assume culture is something done as opposed to something that is evolving and going on all the time.
0: The way you've just described that, the first thing that kind of sung to me and jumped to my mind was the description is almost like testing in a a project environment. It's everyone's responsibility. So while someone may be shoehorned with the task, you know, project manager or a test manager and then, you know, putting it akin to the cultural element, you know, a corporate anthropologist, let's say. It's whilst they are the driver in this scenario they are not completely culpable for it. They can only steer in a direction and you need to engage the buy-in. I can completely understand that. Um, It's very interesting because it it does have that parallel to testing.
1: Yeah, it does. And and I actually think it's, you know, as as you come out and listen, that, that, you know, we we try and avoid the word testing. Now we talk more about quality and how do we engineer quality in. Um, And testing is an element of that quality engineering piece. But that's, for me, is an easier way to lift it up to the purpose of whatever company you're working for, because it's about producing a quality deliverable that will enhance whatever it is the company is, does and things like that. So if you think somebody like Disney, Disney has a clear purpose and Disney has had a clear purpose for many years and that's really basic and simple. It's about being the happiest place on earth. So when you're working for a company like that and you understand that purpose, then even if you're producing software or managing quality, you understand why you're managing quality of, of an application so that somebody can use it and have the experience of being at the happiest place on earth. So so if you can trace everything up to the tree and the kind of the top where all the, the leaders are and setting that, you know, this is our purpose, this is what we want to be famous for, then, you know, you can really see some magic stuff happen. But you can only see it if you can kind of open your mind up and realize that actually when you're culturing or looking at culture it's not about answers it's all about questions so that that's what what i learned from michael the anthropology side it's not about seeking answers it's about asking questions and allowing the culture to find those answers for you
0: okay that makes sense yeah one of my questions to you is going to be you know for, for context and for the audience listening can you share um I suppose famous and easily recognizable companies with strong sense of culture, and you've given Disney there. You mentioned earlier in your in your in the start the, towards the start of the podcast about each like let's take a global huge company with ten thousand people or more, and they such a company cultivating many different cultures. How can companies ensure that their culture is inclusive and welcome to people with diverse backgrounds and experiences?
1: Oh, yeah, well, that's a really good question. Uh, and I guess you know the answer is you, you can't the culture kind of decides, and you go there, so it's it's again it's about asking the questions which is what do I require for this, and then allowing you know the culture to form what it is. If you think a lot of companies will will want to say that Australia is X, we've decided it's this, now you guys work out how to do it, and you're not really encouraging everyone to be part of the solution and finding the answer. You're telling them the answer and telling them what they've got to do. And that, that kind of inhibits their ability to understand why they're there in the first place. So a lot of it is about, and you know, a lot, a lot of companies will come out and say, well, we do the survey, and we do this, and we've got all these metrics. And, you know, the true answer is you can't measure culture or what it brings to your organization. It is just something that's there and it's going on. And it's about how, if you can see how it's happening, how you use it to get the best outcome you're looking for. And and so part of it, yeah, it should be about exclusivity. And, you know, we we talk a lot when we interview about are they the right cultural fit for our team? And and without really understanding what cultural fit means, because everyone has a different facet about them that they can bring to the table. Um, Just because they don't happen to be obsessed with, you know, minor league football teams like me, doesn't mean they're not going to bring something to the table that's going to benefit the culture there. For me, it's allowing people the freedom to find their own answers instead of telling them the answer and then asking me how they're going to deliver it to me.
0: So it's an agent yeah. rather than an
1: Yes. Agent. If you look at it, uh, <laughs> again, and I don't know if Michael will ever listen to this, but uh, for me, it, it, I always look at it your, your culture is, is kind of set at the, at the bottom layer of your organisation, but it needs to be embodied at the top. The top cannot decide what your culture is. That is always decided by the people who are... On the ground and if they don't believe in your purpose or or the kool-aid that you're selling then you won't deliver the right flavor kool-aid to the people you want to because they spend all their time um looking at ways to understand why they should be doing what they're doing so if you ask people more questions and allow them to find their answers you you always get a better outcome so if you think kind of back to the the start i talked about believe behave become it's it's really a, a kind of simple model and what you're aiming for is to build a culture that regardless of where you come from what your background is it's a culture that people want to belong to so there's a lot of people talk about three B's there's actually the fourth B so so you, you know your belief is in the purpose your behavior is driven by your beliefs so if you understand the purpose and why you're here your behavior is all towards succeeding in that goal and what you become is this culture that is brought together to deliver an outcome for Whichever company you you like or you're working for, and then you get that sense of belonging. You feel like you're part of something, and, and ultimately, I guess in life, that's what we all search for really that that feeling of belonging. You now, do we feel like we belong to something? If you're able to create that within a test team, a, a development team, or, or or a department, or even a small company, then you'll see such a massive difference in the way your company changes and reacts to the whole world going on around it because the culture is helping you adapt and the culture is answering the the difficult questions that are being asked of you it's again if you're lucky to get there it's a fabulous thing to see many of us in our lifetime will will probably not end up working in a a company that manages to understand that to its fullest extent but if you can even get in a small pocket of a company and and a big company and see things happen it is pretty special I'm not sure I can explain it as well as uh, Michael can, but you know, when I've had an opportunity to be able to shape some of this stuff, the difference in people and their, the way they approach their work and the way they approach the outcomes that you're trying to achieve is fabulous. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely fabulous.
0: I think one thing that's key there that you mentioned as part of the three B's or the four B's now um, is belonging. Um, that's intrinsic that's inbuilt into human as far back as you can go to cave people and beyond you know the idea that you belong to a tribe and therefore you have a role in that tribe and that's intrinsic to human nature you know I'm a big proponent of psychology and that's something that, that particularly interests me and you see it in a team environment a sporting team environment of all the teams I've been in the best and most successful have had a culture and an environment where the leaders so for a football perspective it would be a coach or a manager or even a captain. They cultivate this environment that actually includes everyone. So top to bottom, it's not whether you're in the starting 11, whether you're injured, whether you're um, a game changer that will come on in 90 minutes or even into the, the youth squad. You know, the best teams have a sense of everyone feeling part of it. And that's something for me that I've found so important in my time. So one thing that I love to do in any sporting team I'm part of is learn all the names of not only people in my squad immediately so I'm sure you can appreciate there's a lot of transfer over summers but it's to actually spend time and get to know people not only the coaches but actually the youth players too Um, and I'm not sure that's done enough and as you know 4217 has taken on a number of current and former sporting professionals and as the adage goes, you know, you don't mix business with pleasure. Well, actually, yes, I will. I have a group of people around me now that are tried and trusted teammates that have incredible principles and ethics aligned to me, but, you know, in also in terms of fairness and equality in the world. And gosh, for me, why, why would I not create a team? You know, why would I not garner a bunch of people together and, and kind of Replicate that, you know. So yeah, I think the sense of belonging is huge.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. To me, it's it's the key because people think they belong somewhere, kind of regardless of, of what organisation. And if you think of the even the current market or recent marketplace has been very transactional with people moving on in a very short amounts of time because there's been a demand for resources, which means salaries have gone up, things like that. Even in in a world like that, if you can create a sense of belonging for somebody the likelihood of them wanting to move on because there's something they'll lose or something they'll need to let go in order to move somewhere else it just it may not keep them with you forever and and obviously you don't want that because you know as a leader you want to encourage people to be the best that they are and sometimes that means saying goodbye to them from an organization because they can get better but it's if you give them that sense of belonging, they're likely to stay around to see this opportunity a little bit longer. But also, you know, there's always that yearning and, and, and thought about wanting to come back. And, you know, leadership's a tough gig. Right? You can only really be considered a leader if you have people who follow you. <laughs> you can have a title called lead, I'm sure, you know, but that doesn't mean you're a leader. right? Uh, and so for me, it's about if you create that sense of belonging that that you know, empowers people to find their own solutions and their own path. Sometimes you wave goodbye, but sometimes their belonging never leaves them and, and they feel like they belong to something special and they'll go out and they'll talk about it and they'll talk about why it was a good thing and what, how fun it was to be part of something because they could understand purpose and things like that. And I think one of the, the other key things that I, I've always thought about is, is you know, purpose over task. Right? So, so you know, a lot of people give you tasks to do, but if you've got your culture right, then... The task doesn't really matter because people are working towards the purpose, and as long as what they're doing is contributing to that, then actually, you know, tasks will fall by the wayside, and and if you want to put a Six Sigma or Lean look at it, they're probably considered wastage and didn't need to be done in the first place. But you allow people to find that themselves rather than telling them it's a huge thing, and and, and looking at it, you know, culture is what delivers everything. It doesn't matter what organisation they're in, it's culture that delivers. It's the people who decide how things are going to happen and the way they're going to happen. And if you can tune that into your strategy, then you'll achieve whatever you want to. If you can, not then it becomes uh, very, very challenging.
0: Sure. I think one of the things I love, I I could chat to you all day, Pete, but I love how freely and eloquently you can talk about culture. And, you know, whilst I run a business and work in project teams, you know, and have done for years now, for me, the, the biggest parallel I can draw is from sport. And it doesn't seem to matter the discipline or the profession, the alignment, and everything you kind of saying does resonate in in terms of sport. I'm going to segue slightly. So you're a, an Englishman living in Australia now, and I know you have a lot of work ties in Asia. Um, one of the questions I have for you is: What are some of the key cultural differences you've observed in organizations just that operate in different parts of the world? How do these differences impact, let's say, team practices?
1: Wow, well, that's a real tricky one. I think it's more at least different right it has to be different because um you know different countries have have, have just different working patterns in some way shape or form uh, and i think it's you know for, for me working kind of southern hemisphere it's a little bit behind in terms of the northern hemisphere in some of its practices and processes and procedures um just simply because there's less people here doing it so um you know certainly in the uk i could probably go and find 100 other companies who are not Fortitude 17, he'll tell me they can talk about practice and what best practice is and and things like that. Um, Whereas here, there's there's less of them. And and so being able to identify the ones that can, and and maybe this is similar to every place in the world, I guess, the companies you need to work with that can and can adapt and will understand your purpose and what you're trying to get there. And the ones who are just saying they can do it, but they can't and, and working through stuff like that. So... So I think maybe culturally it's what you make of it. The more I think about it, the more I, I, I tell of yes, there's a, there's a different culture, there's a different mindset, you know, because you're different countries, you know. So, certainly, you know, even you're, you're in New Zealand, you you probably don't like Australians, and and that's kind of a culture they're there, and Australians, you know, vice versa. But reality is that's kind of a, a you know just a, a myth, if you like. Yeah, I'm sure there are some people who do it, and then you have the Ashes in the UK and England and, and things like that, but. But ultimately, working, you know, culturally, you're all looking for the same thing, which is still do what the purpose is. It's how do you fit in a little bit better? You understand, for me, it's always about understanding whichever company I go to, what is their purpose. And that's only something I learned about five or six years ago. So whether that's something I could do in the UK, I don't know, because I've been back to the UK since 2011. But it's then if I understand the purpose, then, you know, my behavior is towards um, believing in something and my behavior is. Drives me towards that and meeting the purpose of the common goal, and allows me to fit into a culture. Um, and yeah, there's pockets of culture that you like and some that you don't, and it's how you manage to navigate that around. And, and if you can actually read the culture and see it's happening, you can sometimes circumvent some of them going off pieced to, uh, to to the wrong purpose just by helping navigate them back to what what they're actually here for. So um, that's a, that's a tough question to answer because I, I think. Hopefully, the skills I've learned would mean it. I'm pretty agnostic to which country I go to that I would be able to fit in. But that's maybe my ego talking more than the <laughs> more more than the practicalities of actually of actually doing it. I, I, I do know it's 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 tough to break into some organisations when when you're new and you're hired at a certain level because you're, you you're hired at a certain level for your expertise in something. And so you've got to maintain that belief in yourself and you've got to be able to understand that, that the purpose of this company is X and they have brought me here because they believe that the skills I have will help them get there. I I just have to translate what skills I'm bringing to the party to enable that and then push that down as a leader um, to get people to understand, hey, we're all here for this. Now, how are we going to achieve it? And what's our role in that part of the purpose? And sometimes it's about breaking down a the company's purpose and going, right, there's you know, sixty thousand of us here, that's the purpose. Our role is this. And so what's our purpose in making that purpose and, and and providing those connection points for people. So you know when you can ask them why you're here, they don't talk about being a test analyst or a developer or a project manager. They talk about I'm here to support that vision of in the Disney case being the happiest place on earth.
0: Is it fair to say that a culture can only be as strong as the framework that's set out by its leaders?
1: No. No, I don't believe so, because I, I think if, if if leaders think they can set a cultural framework for people to follow, I think they're kidding themselves that people are actually following what they say. They And things like setting company values and behaviours, things like this, they don't actually mean a lot, um, because... What are they? You know, and usually when you look at a set of behaviours or, or set of values, someone will say, "Well, we need to be honest, right?" Well, yeah, of course we do. We expect that in everybody anyway, right? But there are hundreds of people out there in the world who aren't, and there's hundreds of companies that are for them because people have not been honest about you know results or outcomes or things like that. So, so I think if you you're in the you know if you take the you know a triangle as the company with the head at the top if you think the head of that triangle with the leaders and the they're going to set the cultural framework i think they believe they might be setting a cultural framework but the cultural framework will actually be set by the people who are delivering and doing the actual work and um you have to uh, as a leader i allow that to grow because that's them believing in me and if they believe in me, but they also believe in what we're trying to achieve, then their behavior is all towards, in theory, achieving that goal. If I say to you, uh, you know, maybe I'll bring a football you Emma great culturally. My framework says, I only want you to kick with your left foot. You're going to go, yeah, you know, I understand, but, you know, I have two feet. And the right one's pretty good as well. But I, I say, no, my framework says you've only got to kick with your left foot. Then your behavior is not going to be about kicking with your left foot all the time, you're going to be thinking, well, I can use the right. What if I use the right? What's the problem if I use the right? And drives a different behavior and a different outcome. And again, that permeates throughout because all the other people you've told the run to kick with their left foot go, ah, Emma kicks with both feet. So why can't I do that, right? And, and you, you drive it there. So your, your cultural framework, to be honest, you, you, you can spend a lot of money hiring people to come and develop you one, But honestly, it's you can't measure culture. That's the one key thing people need to understand. I know there will potentially be CEOs and senior people who listen to this podcast and should be nice and and hopefully it it generates work and all of that good stuff, right? But, you know, you can't set culture, you can't measure it. It's happening all the time. You're culturing all the time. You've got to, to think about how you invest and learn in driving it to enhance what you're trying to achieve. Um, I'm putting a framework in place and saying, you know, this is the way we want you to behave and these are the values we want you to have doesn't necessarily achieve that. Yet you'll go into many, many firms will tell you, hey, we've got this great culture. These are our values. These are our behaviors. If you don't understand your own values and your own behaviors, they
0: achieve very little. Sure. I hear that. Um, I guess, firstly, thanks for bringing my um, ambidextrous qualities as a footballer into the spotlight. Um, I do appreciate that, of course. I guess I'm interested to know your kind of thoughts on it. And thanks for sharing such a detailed answer. In terms of how you would approach it then as as a leader and something I I believe you to be, and I don't say that lightly, um, would you give your company a carte blanche to take the reins then? You wouldn't even give kind of Goalpost. And continuing with the football analogy, you'd kind of give no steer, but you know, you'd you'd kind of lead by example.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I once said, and and you know, people shoot me down. Our culture is developed at the bottom, but embodied at the top. So if you behave the way the culture is expecting you to behave, then people follow you, and then they see why you're here, and the belief and the behaviour all comes about what you're trying to achieve. Right? It's about building that following. So it's not about for me, it's about getting people and coming back to, uh, am I asking the right questions and am I allowing people time to find the answers? Cause it's not about me going in and saying, oh, we need this done and you're going to do it like this and you three are going to do it because that's you know, it's command and control. And sometimes, yes, you need that because sometimes the whole world is falling apart, but it's one tool in, in a many faceted toolbox for me it's about making sure i'm asking the right questions that allows them to find the answers and their way and and people have more belief in themselves if you allow them time to figure things out and understand how to do things and yes if they want to seek advice and of course i'm always there and i'm happy to direct them and steer them in the right place but it's allowing that freedom to work out the solution for themselves uh, and that's that's really key because some people struggle with that. Some people are you know, coming from a corporate world who are used to do this, do it like this, and, and do it on Monday. And when, yeah. when they come and, and work with someone like me who says, actually, I want this outcome, um, and they say, well, how do I get it? I say, well, actually, that's why I've hired you. You tell me how you're going to get that outcome, and then we'll work together. And give them that amount of freedom to understand why. Why are we doing this? What it means? How it contributes to everything helps drive that. For me, the camaraderie of you are in a, in a small team—you know—a lot of it will be. They, they always talk about, you know, when you are in the trenches, how you hunker down and, and you know don't let anyone get to. But actually, if you give people the opportunity to put their heads above the parapet and say, oh, "Well, actually, I've had a look at this and I think we should be doing X, Y, and Z," it's a lot—it's uh, a lot more powerful when you listen to them and actually help support what they want to achieve as the person who leads their their team or their project. Or whatever and so if you, if you actually think about and try to bring this back to, to something that's resolving testing or things, if you think about actually it's the agile methodology it's the, the basis of all that is about saying this is the outcome we want how are you going to achieve it and then allowing them to come back and present to you how they're going to achieve it. Now in reality you probably don't see that happen in many organisations but it's kind of the premise of the, of the root of it all which is in allowing the teams to self form and build and understand what they're contributing to as they go through the, the long cycle.
0: Absolutely. I think for me, I can certainly attest to that. Working as a test manager or someone that's responsible for quality in an agile setting or a project implementation transformation scenario, the best work I do are when the shackles are off. So I will have a clear directive, a clear objective to achieve. And let's say the program director will say, okay, I need you to go and achieve this. How, how do you go about it? give me carte blanche and I would just go and figure things out with my team. And again, enabling them in such a way. Um, I honestly feel that the best results are kind of achieved at that point. Uh, the more I'm kind of dictated to, um, it you know, as a kind of term would go, the, the kind of more shackled and the more creativity is stifled, the the less... engaged I am you know it's you're hired for you know let's talk about contractors or or companies you know such as ourselves both our consultancies you're hired for a purpose and you know that's our remit essentially if you're hiring us you want us to go and achieve that that goal for you by whichever creative means necessary um yeah I think that's a really important point um yeah and one I can certainly attest to you touched on software testing in culture and I'm gonna take that segue and run with it technology for good for bad how do you think that impacts culture
1: Oh, that that yeah, that that's quite a hard one to answer because obviously, as a you know, of a father of a twenty-year-old um, daughter, and you know, working with people who have a, a lot younger children, that you, you understand the differences in their lives that technology has bought and and kind of the culture at, at home now is is different to the culture it was thirty years ago, you know, fifty years ago when I was a kid, right? So, I think it can help. Um, especially if you think about COVID times, right? Where you know, and, and again, one of the probably one of the myth busting things about Agile was about all the co-location, and then all of a sudden nobody could co-locate yet. You know, the delivery unit still kept going with scrums and and uh, all the all the the ceremonies and, and step through it and, and things like that. It, it, it kind of kind of broke down a few walls. I think it can uh, it can help it, it can hinder it. Uh, uh, but I still think it all comes down to that still all comes back to purpose, right? Do you understand why you're here? If you understand why you're here, then actually, you know, you can get on Teams or Zoom or, or WhatsApp or whatever, and you can form groups and you can talk about what you're going to do and how you're going to achieve it. And um, I think technology now helps because there are many different ways to communicate. Uh, for, for people like me, who is quite introverted, happier, much happier talking here in a room rather than, you know, in front of 500 people saying the same thing because it's easier right? it's easier and, and, you know, you will put this out and hopefully it will sound really good and hopefully people will listen to it and say, hey, that's that's awesome. You know, how do we learn more about that and, and how do we, you know, enhance what we're trying to do? Um, and, and technology has given us the power to do that. So you know, 20 years ago, you and I would be, well, maybe on a mobile phone, maybe even on a landline, talking to each other, not recording it, and then trying to find a way to translate that out to what we want to do. And, and the power of technology means that, you know, I had the ability to spend uh, uh, you know, three hours with Michael Henderson, a group of his students, um, the other week, just learning a little bit more about culture in the workplace and corporate anthropology, and I couldn't have done that 20 years ago. So I think technology helps us being able to, to understand the purpose a bit better and, and bring more people on a journey because you can touch more people, and probably me, that's not the, the most appropriate we use of the word, but you, you can affect more people in a shorter amount of time with the medium that you have. And, and I, I think that's fascinating, the fact that even you know here, you're sitting in the UK, I'm sitting in Australia, there's a magic record button that tracks all this, it gets boxed up and then pushed out and, and people can hear the conversation we're having and we can share that conversation with people. I think it made, it's made a huge difference Bringing it back probably to the, the kind of the Peter Drucker wrote about culture eating strategy for breakfast. You can't get it right online or offline, then you're still gonna have a problem, right? But it allows you to probably communicate a lot more and, and, and allow people that more time to work through their, their answers um, and be able to play them back at a, a more rapid rate using platforms like this. They haven't got to wait for a 10 o'clock meeting. Anymore, they've got an instant messenger or an instant communicator that can come straight back to you. What do you think about this? You know, can I get some advice on that? It's much quicker, a much quicker turnaround time.
0: Sure, I personally think it's much more effective technology in terms of bringing businesses together and keeping teams afloat. I think there's so much to speak for the efficiency of it all. But I am akin to say, and, and I'm certainly inclined to say rather that, for me, there are some things that. Technology just can't replicate, like meeting with people and being around people and and actually engaging with them firsthand and in person. Um, For me, I'm very much a person that goes on a vibe. So I can decide within a couple of minutes whether or not I I get on, I have a good relationship with someone. Um, And I would say that technology makes that a little more difficult. You know, you can still get the same vibe. It just may, may take a little longer. But meeting people and actually being able to convey yourself, you know, particularly as we both run consultancies, you're obviously looking to sell to people at points. That's part of the game. Um, you know, I prefer to do that in person. I much prefer to get into a natural conversation rather than try and arrange a meet via email, let's say, and then a Teams call. It's, you know, it's good and bad. I don't know if you have any kind of different thoughts on that.
1: No, no, it's, it's never a one size fits all. Right? And certainly the face to face is that you can read people's body language you can understand how they are if people aren't looking you in the eye and, and things like that it's you know and, and you can help kind of form that initial if you like cultural vibe around people but it, for me I think it's a, it's a good it's a, as good as it is bad right you know for for someone who who is a little bit more introverted you know it, it really helps me a lot more and can kind of find a vibe yeah it takes a little bit longer you're hundred percent right. On that but but uh, for me i can still get the feeling that people are bought into what i'm saying um and really are believing in what we're trying to achieve um yeah it's easier if i'm sitting in a room with 50 people in front of me because you've got constant um vision of, of, of how people are, are reacting but i think once you can take that veil away and not worry about it then you can feel and you can look at the results because ultimately if you're meeting your goals and your targets and things like that, it's because you've managed to deliver a culture that believes in what you're trying to achieve. And when you're struggling to meet them, the chances are that either the culture is not quite right for what you're trying to achieve and you've got to start then asking those questions and then getting the culture to give you the answers to how things will work. And that could be some, simply as simply listening to someone who says, hey, I'm doing the job of four people and realising you actually do need four
0: people. It's, it's interesting. You mentioned it as part of the, the pandemic, and that's really why that original question was steered from and, and derived from. Um, for me, I worked on a global implementation project for three years, beginning prior to the pandemic and completing to, towards the end of the pandemic. And for me, that was, you know, that, that was kind of a necessary evil. The people that I worked closely with were largely based in Texas. And then I had another group of people that were kind of scattered throughout Europe, as well as people in the Philippines that I needed to kind of liaise with on a regular basis. Um, Now, for certain things, you know, I mean, prior to the pandemic, I did travel um, to those places and and fulfil testing cycles, let's say. But actually, you know, working and and still doing so in a cohesive manner, you know, before it was the cool thing to do, you know, because of the pandemic, you learn to to find what works. You know, there is a kind of an adaptation that you have to naturally look for and seek out in order to make something a success. You know, certainly when you, you have some kind of framework aligned to you, assigned to you rather, and you have to kind of figure out your way. Um, I guess for me, the, the culture question, again, coming back to it, I found everything you've kind of mentioned so interesting. And again, everything you kind of mentioned, I can just relay it in an instant back into a sporting environment. Um, I'm going to ask you one final question and it's how do you see the field of corporate anthropology evolving in the coming years, and how do you think this will impact technology?
1: I'd love to say it would be an evolving skill set in the marketplace, but I think you know to go full circle back to where we started. Right when we're saying ninety-two percent of the organizations fail to optimize their culture. So, in order for it to to kind of get that level of momentum, that number has to change significantly, and a lot of it is having the right people in the company to understand what their culture is doing for them, whether it's working for them or working against them. Because if you're not optimising it, and you remember if you think about the triangle, you've got leaders at the top, but culture at the bottom, it's the culture that delivers. The culture is always that, that delivers. And uh, it's not anything you measure. It's just something you're doing all the time. And I think, I'm not sure cultural or corporate anthropology will grow significantly. I'd like to think it would. I'd like to think there'd be opportunities out there um, for people to go in and just be able to say, you know this is what's happening, but reality is that there are too many companies who see culture as the now, right We do culture in June and we get these results and those results tell us, hey we're okay without realizing between June and June, you know the whole world can go to hell in a handcuff, right so it's it's a really weird thing and and you know I've worked in many corporate worlds and and there's really only one that's embraced wanting to change and wanting to do something about it because the hardest thing about culture is like anything, it's realizing you need a different one. And if you think about many things, there is always a lot of resistance to that. And I can guarantee, almost guarantee if you go into a client or or even look at your company yourself – and ask people, do we have a good culture there? A hundred percent of the time, people will say yes. And until you can learn to read it, then you realise that actually, what they believe is a good culture is is really the answer you want to hear. And so everyone says, yeah, it's got a good culture. Nothing wrong with our culture, but they're not seeing the underlying drift and how far they are away from whatever their corporate strategy is, because the belief doesn't sit there in, in the people who need to believe. Um, and so it's hard, right? It's not dissimilar to software testing where you're telling people their baby is ugly. It's whether they're prepared to listen to that or not. And some people are and some people aren't. I us say the 8% of the companies in the world that embrace it, they're probably amazing to work for. Um, 92% aren't. I'm not saying they're not great to work for. There are many great companies out there. It's awesome to work with. Are they enhancing the power of their culture? No. Could they? Yeah, probably if they just opened their mind and asked more questions and tried to provide answers
0: it's interesting you 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 mentioned testing again there and it seems like you enjoy pushing water uphill um pete just with (laughs) trying to as you say tell people their baby's ugly not just with testing but you know in a cultural capacity too i think it's one thing that comes up for me is the definition of culture you know what is culture to me or what i perceive to be culture and maybe different to you and different to the next you know it's i guess it's what you've come to terms with, this, is this your first job? Have you been in the same company for 20 years? And is that your own example to base it on?
1: Yeah, uh, I think a good way to think of culture is, is, is a, it's a collective reference system. Really, it's, it's looking at, around and deciding what is the appropriate behaviour. And if you think about it like that, it's about I'm, I'm here now, but what's the appropriate behaviour? And you learn that from observing and asking questions rather than, Telling people answers to questions they don't even know exist. (laughs) Well, that's quite a powerful quote to finish up on, really, isn't it?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I took the words out of my mouth. Pete, thanks again for sharing so much goodness and rich intel. Um, I know you have a loyal audience in Australia, and rightly so. Coming from in team environments, I appreciate the valuable lessons here greatly. So thank you again. Um, culture is such a huge thing. And seriously, in my opinion, it makes or breaks a company or a team. Um, and I, yeah, I, I think one thing that's quite clear for me in technology is that I don't believe that soft skills and i would include culture the verb as part of this conversation i don't think soft skills are appreciated anywhere near as much as they should be to those listening thanks for having us if you enjoyed this episode be sure to follow us on your respective streaming platform spotify apple Podcasts, audible whatever it might be have a good one and remember to always make collaboration culture and integrity priorities if you're looking to succeed whether that's in life or in business